Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, the NFL show, episode 23. My name is Dan Frost, and as always, supported by the best panel in the business. Uh, we've got a full house. We've got Stacey, we've got Beck, and we've got Alex. Guys, the question I've got for you is, we see all of these young star rookie quarterbacks. They look so good in college. They fly up that draft board. They get selected, and they land in this competition called the NFL. And, well, things don't necessarily go according to plan. The question I have for you, Beck, off the top is, if your rookie quarterback is struggling, are you a sit or start person? Do you sit him, rest him? Do you bring him back in later on in the season? Or do you just make him sort of work his way through it? We're seeing so many young quarterbacks getting knocked around in the league at the moment. What's your style? Would you sit or start? Yeah, that's a really interesting question because we are seeing that happen a lot this year with our rookie quarterbacks that aren't really necessarily ready to start, but they've been kind of thrown in because there's no other option with like injuries or whatever. Um, But I think personally, if my rookie quarterback was getting knocked about, making really bad decisions, you know, his confidence is getting a little bit shot, um, I'm going to sit him. I'm going to sit him and I'm going to let him have some time to sit back, reflect, learn the playbook, learn through observation, learn through training sessions. And then, you know, once I have a team built for him to protect him, I'm putting him back out there. Stace, what about yourself? Uh, Just making plays way through it or... Again, in the NFL, it's just different. You know, we're seeing we're seeing players getting sacked five, six times. I mean, that you know, in, in past eras, that that could be career ending. But um, yeah, what's your, what's your approach on this one? I think that the young quarterbacks of today are built a little bit differently, and I feel like they can almost withstand a little bit of the beating that they're getting right now. And there's actually nothing that teaches you better than getting your face smashed into the dirt. So. I think, you know, with the situation where we've got with like, you know, Zach Wilson from the Jets, for example, I mean, New York has to fall in love with him through his mentality of I'm just going to keep doing this until you like me. So I'm not a, I'm not a sitter. I'm going to make you play through the adversity and uh, see where we get at the end of it. Yeah, I guess it's a little bit tricky because this would be easier to answer if you knew who your backup quarterback was, but I'd be tempted to sit. But, you know, if, if you don't, it's about, well, throw the ball into the dirt and throw it into the stands, and, and I don't have a problem with that. And I, I think a lot of this has got to do with the offensive line, and that's what's becoming so important in the NFL. It's more like, well, can you trust your offensive line to keep them protected? And if they can't, I don't know. I've, I've, I've got to sit them because uh, they, they, these guys are such a valuable asset for the next 10 years Uh, in your franchise. Uh, Alex, this is probably a question that's a little bit too close to home at the moment as the Chicago Bears community uh, deals with this, uh, with Justin Fields. But yeah, what's your thoughts on this one? Because it is is a little bit tricky. It is a tough one. And I think the big thing, and the one thing that I've really noticed this season, I think more than any other is we've had, we had so many young quarterbacks go in the first round and they all went to franchises that kind of need that, that star quarterback. But I think with that, there comes so much pressure on these kids, right? And at the end of the day, they're still kids. They're 20, they're 21. Like they're still young. They've still got learning to do. And I think, you know, yes, they can play in the NFL. I'm not saying that they can't, but I think when you look at Justin Fields, I think my concern is him getting injured, right? He's taking a couple big knocks to the head, right? When he goes to slide. 
Um, you look at the O-line that's having tr- trouble trying to protect him, right? So for me, you know, yes, I didn't, I didn't love the Andy Dalton signing, but I think in the last two weeks, he's struggling a little bit. He needs to learn, and I think that's kind of key. And I think the 49ers are kind of doing it well with Trey Lance. I'd like to see Trey Lance play a little bit more so we can see his learnings come into fruition because you learn best by playing. As Stacey said, you learn best by taking those hits and taking those knots and knocks and getting your head thrown in the dirt. But I would like to see, but again, you don't want to damage the confidence of these players. And you also don't want to have like them be like a letdown either for the franchise, like the fans in Chicago, they like love Justin. Right. And he's like the next big thing. So you don't want to, you don't want to lose that. So I think, I think right now, I think Chicago needs to sit fields and maybe put Dalton out there, let fields learn a little bit more because yes, you need to interchange them, but I think that also struggles with the O line because then your O line's working with two different quarterbacks and that's tough. So it's 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 not really a good situation for anybody. But I think if you've got a young quarterback and a vet quarterback, definitely give the young young quarterback some games. Let him learn. If he's struggling a little bit, take him out. Let him learn the defense. Let him know what he's looking for because it's hard to learn out a game. So I'm a fan of kind of sitting them and and getting them to pay their dues. Right? I mean, they're rookies for crying out loud. You know, you got to earn your spot at the end of the day. All right, guys, let's jump into our first segment tonight, the huddle. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. And for the Philadelphia Eagles, the long drought is over. How about those trees? A touchdown and a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Yeah, and this week on the huddle, well, you know, following football for most of my life, I'm very surprised that there'd be a point in my life where I'd be excited to talk about this football team. But here we are, uh, the Cleveland Browns. Beck, I'm going to throw this straight at you because we were tormented watching this team play for a lot of years. But here we are. They're a good football team. And, you know, they're definitely a team that's trying to take that next step. Yeah, I think pre-Baker Mayfield, they were never a team on your radar. Like someone would bring up the Browns and you'd be like, yeah, not watching that game. Or, you know, who is their quarterback? Like they were definitely not a team that you were excited about. But Baker Mayfield coming in, I think, has kind of turned this franchise around and gave Cleveland something to be excited about and something to look forward to on game day. Yeah, and Alex, that that's the key, isn't it? Because when you watch Cleveland – they rotated through their quarterbacks. They rotated through their coaches and, uh, you know, therefore, you know, created a bit of dysfunction there. But, yep, they finally settled on their quarterback, a bit of a controversial player in Baker Mayfield. Let's take it all the way back to college because, uh, yeah, he's been a little bit of a troublemaker and he's certainly been in the headlines uh, for most of his career, even dating back to college. Yeah, look, I've said this before. I'm not a fan of Baker Mayfield. I never have been. You know, you come in Ohio State and you go and you stick the Oklahoma flag in the middle of the O. Like, that's just disrespectful. I don't care who you are, win or lose. Like, you know, just go home at the end of the game, right? You don't have to bring the flag out. So, for that, I don't like him. For his other kind of shenanigans that he did on the side of the field, I wasn't a big fan of him either. But he does have an interesting history. Um, Started at Texas Tech, was there for about a season, um, and then got injured. And he just kind of fell down, wasn't really being utilized. So transferred to Oklahoma where he kind of had to sit out. He didn't play until 2015, right? Because NCAA rules say that you have to 
wait a city year as a red shirt for eligibility. Um, and then, yeah, it was a tough one. You know, they tried to kind of challenge it, but it was unsuccessful. So yeah, it was, it was a kind of a tough transfer to Oklahoma for him, but you know, when he came in, he, he did well, you know, and he went into their starting quarterback. Um, and I think they have a championship win under their belt under him, um, which is, which is good for him. You know, I guess that's, you know, if you're with the Browns, I guess you got a championship under your belt. It didn't come from the NFL, but at least it came from college. Right. So you, you got to give him props where, <laughs> where props is due, but yeah, oh, the definitely. Shade. The shade. <laughs> you really don't like him. I that really guy. don't like him. Alex, I just. Yeah. Alex can uh, hold a grudge. That's for sure. And, and I guess. Alex, uh, just to round, off, round out the conversation with Baker, do we pay Baker Mayfield? So your options are you pay him early, you pay him this year, you move him through next year to a fifth-year contract uh, and, and sort of, you know, try and try and get a reduced rate, or, or do you let him walk? Like, what would you what would you do if you are running the Browns? Um, I think if it was – I'd put him on notice. I, I would like to see what he does being put on notice. I think – Right now with his injury, yes, it's to his non-throwing arm, but I still think that's going to be an issue for him. And if he's not starting, if he's not getting the minutes, you're paying him to sit on the bench. You're paying him. And if you don't want, like, Hunt and Chubb to walk, like, I'm sorry. If he's not really working with his receivers, he's not going to throw the ball, then you need to keep what's working for your offense, right? So you need to pay them and maybe not – pay Baker Mayfield. So if I was them, I, I would put him on a reduced contract yeah. and, and see what he does. You know, if does that light a fire, is he kind of that big champion kind of go-getter that he appears to be at certain points, or is he going to sit there and go, ah, I'm making enough through my ads. I don't really need it. Fine. I'll go somewhere else. Like, I guess it, it depends. It depends what his mindset is. But I, if I was the Browns, I'd put him on notice. Yeah. It's going to be one to watch because remember as contracts come up in the quarterback market, it's not about who's the best. It's just whoever's the next one coming up, they get the big, they get the monster contract, and it just keeps going up and up and up. So I just don't feel like Cleveland could do that with Baker without having some, uh, well, without having some devastating consequences to this talented roster. Beck, speaking of talented roster, let's let's not forget. Let's shout out this coach, Kevin Stefanski, because yeah, as we said before, yes, they went through quite a few quarterbacks, but they did the same with their coaches. Really, really impressed with the way in which he's come in and sort of started to rebuild this culture there in Cleveland. Yeah, you've definitely seen a massive turnaround in the team with this coaching and you see it all over. Coaches make teams. No matter what players you have, coaches are the ones that make the players better or make the players great and create the systems that these players are playing in. Um, And we've seen that at the Browns. He's completely flipped a switch with these players in like, with what's been drafted, with what's been signed in free agents um, around and, yeah, Baker Mayfield being able to control or, you know, deal with his different levels of excitement or aggression, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, it's definitely a big job and he's doing a good job at it. Outside all of that, though, like you really have to look at the culture that's just come out of the Browns and that culture is specifically the next man up attitude and I think that the last like at least the last couple of weeks when they've been out with injuries um, it's that attitude that's getting it done on both sides I mean at the end of the day they've got this amazing O-line that actually wouldn't matter what running back that you put behind there they would still be able to get some yardage right and that's that you know 
NFL is the war of attrition, you know, and it's that next man up attitude. And that's why I sort of, um, you know, I'm not too worried about the Browns for the next couple of weeks because of that attitude that's so uh, across the board on both sides of the ball, even having, you know, with Baker being out, I'm have full, full faith in Case Keenum, um, you know, to sort of steer the ship. The question will be, can Baker pick up where, you know, Case Keenum leads them to is, is my big question. Yeah, I agree with that. Definitely. That O-line is impressive. And we talked about this earlier on in the season, I think, when we were kind of previewing their game against the Chiefs and how they were good last year, but they got even better this year as far as their O-line and their defense went, right? They did well in the draft class as far as their defense goes. I think they plugged holes they needed to plug it, but they plugged it in a smart way, right? They kind of plugged a couple holes on defense, couple holes on the offensive line and it's working for them right as you said like that offensive line was already ranked top five coming into this season right and this defense has solidly stayed in the top five through the first seven weeks of the nfl and we've got to talk about their defense like it's just it's it's a like that that's the best part of the browns for me unless you're playing the bears that's the best part of the browns for me right is their defense i think their defense is solid and I think too, like, um, you know, for Browns fans, it must've been really frustrating the last 10 years to not have like an identity, right? So their identity now is, you know, smash route, smash mouth, run the ball football. And they're doing that well. And on defense, they want to be physical. They want to put your bits in the dirt. I mean, and, and they're doing that. I mean, if you're looking at Miles Garrett and Javion Clowney, like, man, that's a beast D-line. And then to have that backed up with my man Denzel Ward, even though he suffered a hamstring, but man, that guy's a beast. It's just, you know, it, it's just a really fun area of the Browns to watch right now. And I've said this for, you know, from a good couple of episodes ago that, you know, Browns are to watch this season for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Well, let's jump into our predictions. So a couple of questions for you, and that is, how can the Browns take that next step? How can they win a Super Bowl? And what is your predicted record? So I'm, I'm going to jump in there. I think they've got to get Baker Mayfield on a cheap contract, and they've got to pay everyone else because they are stacked. And that will just continue to add a piece here or a piece there, but how are they going to sort of retain everyone? So if they can get Baker Mayfield on a very cheap contract, I think that's the key for Cleveland. In terms of my record for this season, uh, it, uh, probably 11-6. and six. It, It's not looking too great for the Browns at the moment given the, uh, given the injury situation with Baker Mayfield. And let's be clear on what I would do there. Shut him down. Uh, and I would be doing that from Baker Mayfield's perspective as well. This is a business decision. He needs to look after himself. He does not want to put bad tape out there at the moment. That would that could cost him a lot of money. Um, Stacey, what about yourself? How can the Browns win a, win a Super Bowl? And what is your what is your predicted record? You know, like I said, I said it before that the Browns are actually like up there with contenders this year. And, you know, Case Keenum doing what he's doing right now. If you remember back to his time at the Vikings, and I think it was like 2017, he was the Minnesota miracle man that edged them into the playoffs. And I thought that he was so underrated back then. And he's just stayed ready. So I'm not worried about the Browns at the moment. So I'm going to go a little bit a little bit better. I'm going to go a 12 and five, um, but they're, you know, they're definitely up there and, and whether they keep Baker on next year, I mean, the question will be obviously with, uh, you know, around the money situation, can they afford to keep everyone? Cause if they can another year with, and without as many injuries could be a huge, huge year for them. 
Beck, what, what, what are you thinking? I mean, they've lost a few more games than what we thought to start the year, but uh, where, where's this team headed? Yeah, I think um, seeing the injuries that this team has gone through and to be able to still maintain the same kind of play um, and winning games that they have been, I think whether they sign Baker Mayfield or not, if they can keep the rest of the personnel around like their O-line and these two running backs, um, I think Case Keenum is a great backup to have and fill that spot because he is, you know, like Stay said, always ready to go. Um, so, yeah, whether Baker Mayfield is there or not, I think um, if they can keep the play, the rest of the personnel around, they could go to a Super Bowl. Um, in saying that, I don't think this year is going to be their year. I think they're going to go around 10 and 7. And, Alex, what's your record and your quick little fix to get them to, to a Super Bowl? Um, my record for them, I, I'm damn going to go with you, 11 and 6. I think they've got kind of a, a tough back half of the season coming in, especially with injuries. Um, as far as winning a Super Bowl, I'm with Beck. I don't see it happening in the next couple of years. I think they've got to pay the guys they need to pay. And all these guys are coming up on their contracts in the next two, three, one, two, three years. So I think maybe in two to three years, we could we could sit here and say Super Bowl contenders. Right now, I don't think that's the case. I think they've got to pay the running backs that they need to pay. They've got to pay those key defensive players. And if your game is going to be run the ball, run the ball, I don't think you need Baker Mayfield in that quarterback position to be able to hand it off. So... All right, guys, let's jump into our next segment for tonight, the match. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Yeah, and these two coaches certainly feel like they're in a boxing ring at the moment as we see Urban Meyer from the Jacksonville Jaguars come up against Robert Sala from the New York Jets. Alex, let's start with your friend Urban Meyer. Uh, hasn't necessarily been the best start for him, but you know, I, I guess one of the questions I've got for you off the start is, you know, Urban has been in and around, uh, you know, the, the the NFL system for a little bit. There's been a lot of franchises that have tried to get him over the line and to come and coach. I, I guess one of the things that I was curious about is is him waiting it out and picking the right job. So my first question to you is, was the Jags the right fit for Urban, or should he have waited? <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting when you kind of look at it, like how many times he's been approached people going, hey, like come over to the NFL, come over to the NFL. But yeah, I was interested, like it was fascinating to me because his year off between like college and the NFL, I thought he was a really good broadcaster. Like his commentating on the college games, I thought he was really good. You know, I liked seeing him in that role. He looked like he enjoyed that role a little bit more. What I will say is that, you know, he does look like he's enjoying himself as a coach. Like he gets in when the Jaguars score, like he's up and down on the sidelines. So you got to give the guy credit. Like, you know, this is also a guy who was running down on the Ohio state sideline at one point and ran into one of his coaching staff and like, you know, had to take a minute to get up. So he's got to be a little bit careful, but um, he is very animated and he was animated in college too, you know, like, and that's just who he is. And I think, you know, as a coach who is very animated on the sideline, it's kind of fun to watch him coach. Even if the Jaguars are like losing, I'm like, oh, look at Urban Meyer enjoying what he's doing. Like it's it's nice to kind of watch it. Do I think it was interesting for him to go to Jacksonville? Absolutely. Do I think he went there with the potential to know that he was going to be working with um, Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, Trevor Lawrence. Yes, I think that was key for him because Trevor Lawrence has beaten him as a, as a coach. Um, when Clemson had played Ohio State. So I thought that was interesting. And I was like, I think that has a little bit to do with it. But 
he has a lot of potential. Um, I think he needs, and I, I like the way that he coaches. Um, so I'm a big fan of Urban Meyer. I always will be. Um, but yeah, I thought it was interesting that it was Jacksonville that got him into the NFL. Speaking of enjoying himself, should we talk about the controversy that is happening around Urban yeah, Meyer? Yeah, it's the uh, conflict that it's created with him and his team. What's going on there? It's interesting because uh, Urban very very successful, and he didn't mind uh, telling people just how successful his culture was uh, when he was uh, anyway so it was very interesting to see how that's going but no that little controversy off the field um, yeah has, has just sort of added a little bit of spice to things but um, yeah Alex I, I guess that the player that I wanted to target a little bit and you touched on him a little bit was uh, was Trevor Lawrence I mean you probably take the job because you're probably thinking well even if this entire roster is trash this guy's going to win me half a dozen games just just by himself but it, it hasn't quite been that. So I, I, I guess this relationship between Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer, it, it, it's obvious, but ultimately that's going to be the success there for Urban because, you know, he's not going to have, he's not going to be given a long leash there in, in Jacksonville. He's going to have to come up with something, some some pretty uh, improved performances over the next year or two. Yeah. Um, first off, Beck, it hurt my heart that you went there. Um, so I just want to put that out there. But yeah, I mean, I think the hard thing to watch with Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence is like, these are two winning, like Urban Meyer is a winning coach. Trevor Lawrence is a winning player. So I think this is an adjustment for both of them. And it's a huge adjustment for Trevor Lawrence, who's come off being, you know, the top dog at Clemson for the last kind of three years, two years that he was. And now he's in a franchise that everyone's kind of poking fingers at and going, Oh, Jacksonville, like it's not looking too good for him, you know, but he has, I, I think, We've where I want to give credit is that they have potential. They have potential to be good. They have potential to, and I think they're heading on the right path. I don't think they have the players for the consistency. And I think that comes down to the type of kind of teams they've had where they've gone, we're going to draft the top pick in this position. It hasn't worked. Now we got to trade them because we need other people and we need the picks. But like, you can't do that, right? Take the top picks. If they don't work, build them. Right. And I wonder if they kind of kept that system instead of grab and trade for picks, which I think is what they've done the last couple of years, because they kind of, they want a quick fix. Like they're like, we want to put a bandaid over it and have it be a fixed problem. And I don't think bringing urban Meyer is like, I think it's a good start. And I think having Trevor Lawrence is a good start. Now you got to build around him. Now you got to give an offense that they can work with. So I think that's, I Jacksonville needs to, coach the players that they have instead of being so worried about who they're going to get next year. Yeah, I was going to say, let's not forget that this is the first year that Urban May is coming to the Jags. So you can't expect massive changes and massive turnarounds to happen in a year. Like you have to give him a few years to get a few draft picks, build on that, coach them up and create that kind of offense that he that you know him for the urban Meyer offense that he has, but also you got to wonder if he's trying to create a college offense in the NFL and is it going to work or is he going to have to rebuild and completely change his offense to fit the NFL? Yeah, I completely agree with what Alex was saying. I mean, having, having a college coach who was the winning coach take the, you know, the best winningest quarterback of all time sounds perfect on paper. Right. But, you know, an urban Meyer from an offensive standpoint, like he just wants to flip this game on its head. 
And it's just like, he's just not patient enough. You know, he said, you know, to turn the Jags around, they're going to go 250 yards in the air and 250 yards on the ground, right? Which isn't done very often. It's been done 33 times in the last 52 years, right? In in NFL Super Bowl history. So this guy has got grand plans. I just don't think he's figured out how to get there yet. And I kind of think that like Urban Meyer is this kind of like, I'm going to do this. Let's go do this and then build it and they will come. And so they're in the building phase right now and they will come. It's just not now. Yeah, I agree with you. Like that he is in that and he is like a very gung ho kind of like coach where he wants it right now. And again, I think that feeds into Jacksonville's kind of persona for the last couple of years, right? It's that quick fix. We want to do it now. We got to do it now. But I think he's got to have some patience. Trevor Lawrence has got to have some patience. You know, I'd be looking at kind of this free agency this next year, see if they can bring in a couple um, wide receivers and running backs that are consistent that will get you like, and I think we've said about this when we talk about the Jets and Zach Wilson, right? You don't need to have the big plays. You just got to play. You kind of got to play boring football. And I think Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence need to remember that. Just play boring football. Like, that's that's go not get the Urban Meyer way. Though. That's not the Urban Meyer way. I understand that. But maybe he needs to tweak his philosophy right now. So my advice to Urban Meyer, because I know he listens, is tweak it, buddy. Take some patience. You know, throw the ball, get consistency, and get some catches behind you, and then it'll start to happen for you. I think that's uh, good advice. And avoid people that are trying to twerk on you. I think that's also very, very important. People don't know what we're talking about. Do some Googling on that little interesting situation there with Urban Meyer. All right, guys, well, let's jump over now to the New York Jets, who are just, well, you talk about cursed franchises. I'm starting to think there is something in the water there in New York because, Alex, they did it the right way. They, They blew this thing up. Uh, they they got the new coach in, and I thought the the Robert Sala um, signing, uh, you know, I guess Urban's competitor tonight, uh, Robert Sala, he's the guy. You know, he brought so much energy uh, with the San Francisco 49ers with his defensive background. He was the guy, but uh, again, it just hasn't really he hasn't really uh, I, I guess started that successfully there in New York. Uh, talk to me a little bit about him, uh, but yeah, definitely an underwhelming start to his uh, New York career. Yeah, I was excited for this signing too. And I was like, oh, things looking up for the Jets. Like it, it's possible they could they could do well. Possible. Possible they could do well, right? Like, I mean, you gotta have multiple pieces working for that to be a thing. But they've they've taken a win and they've taken a win comfortably. I think again, it comes down to the same situation where he's got a young quarterback that needs to learn the game. He hasn't. He doesn't have anybody he can really sit behind to learn the game from. So he's been thrusted in there and, and gone. Okay, go play. You know, go win us games. Um, and I think, you know, he's a fun coach to watch, and I like his. I, I like his. I like him when you watch him coach and when you listen to him at press conferences. He's very knowledgeable, and, and he he's he's fun to listen to, but. I think, again, it's the same situation where I think he he wants to come in and he wants to fix the Jets right now and right, right away, right? And I think he, he can't really do that with a franchise like the Jets or the Jaguars. You know, you've got a rookie quarterback. You've got to take your time. And he needs to build around. What I like is that he wants to kind of build this powerhouse defense for the Jets, right? And I think that when that comes to fruition, if he can get that, 
I'd be concerned about playing the Jets. I think they do well on that front, but I think it's going to take some time to get there. So I say patience because I think give Roberts Lee another year or two in the NFL, and I think you'd be looking at, 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 a, at a top coach for sure. I think that, uh, you know, you have to take in consideration that, one, Saleh is uh, 41 and looks like that he could suit up as a linebacker, right? Like he's jacked, like 10% kind of body fat, kind of 240 pounds kind of guy. And he I think tight that, end. Yeah. At uh, uh, Eastern Michigan? Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, I think that that goes a long way too as the, you know, the put up or shut up kind of of mentality that he comes across with you know and he's been in the it's been in the NFL not as long as a lot of other coaches you know like I said he's 41 um you know he started out as an, an assistant he went to um the Texans went to Seattle went to the Jags went to the 49ers but he only started coaching around September 11 um you know as a result of a family you know moment that got him into the NFL so he's he's still got a little bit to learn but in terms of what he brings to the tables from a culture perspective I think it's he's all on board he's just inspirational to listen to like Alex said yeah and and I like him as a coach I I I think when you take coaches like him that are so defensive mindset I think what is going to struggle is that offensive kind of call. And I think he's got to have someone as his offense coordinator who really knows their stuff. And I'm not saying that as someone who's been a defensive coordinator, like and with San Francisco, and he's done well with San Francisco. When you look at the defense over the last couple of years when he was there as a defensive coordinator, that, you know, he can't run an offense, but sometimes it takes a while to shift that mindset where you've got to look at the offense and the defensive piece of it, right? You can't ignore one and just focus on the other. So I think that's, if I was him, you know, as a head coach, I'd be going, okay, I understand defensively what we need to be doing, but I think I'd be getting some solid coaches and some solid experience around him in that offensive coordinator role, working with your O-line, working with your wide receivers, like get some coaches and know what they're doing there. And I think then you'll start to see a change because while he's so solid defensively, I think it's going to take him a season or two to be able to join the offense and the defense together. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Beck. Well, in the match, we can't sit on the fe- uh, on the fence. We've got to pick a pl- uh, we've got to pick a coach in this instance. And I, I mean, not physically. We all know that uh, Robert Sala would physically, uh, I guess, handle Urban Meyer in a boxing ring. But uh, in terms of who is the superior coach, where are you going here? Yeah, this is an interesting one. Um, I. I like Urban Meyer, but I just feel like he doesn't quite have enough enough experience in the NFL yet. He has a great college career. He has, you know, all the experience in college players, college type of style offenses. I think um, it's not going to quite, it's going to take him a little while to translate into the NFL and adjust in terms of that kind of situation. Um, and Robert Sala, you know, like we said, he's been around for years. He's, um, you know, been on a lot of defensive side of the ball. Um, I think he is a great mood lifter. He will, you know, be able to bring his team together and make them want to play for him. Um, offense and defense, like Alex said, if we can build a great offensive coaching cohort around him to support him in bringing those two teams together, those two sides of the ball, I think he'll be a great coach. So I'm going with Robert Salah in this one. Yeah, Alex, what about yourself? Uh, we, we know that you're going to go with Urban, but I guess it's why. Why Urban? Um, I think with – look, I love Urban, and I think he has such a winning mentality, and I just love from a coaching perspective, like while he probably hasn't lived it the last couple of weeks – 
Um, he has this idea where he goes into his players and he goes, trust me because I trust you. Right. And like, that's a big thing that I got out of his book that I read. And as, as a coach that I kind of identify with is going, Hey, I trust you guys. I will go to bat for you. And I'll be the crazy coach that believes you can win every game you step onto. So I think he has that mindset. I think it's hard. I think he needs some more experience in his offensive coordinators and his defense coordinators because he is a first-time head coach with only experience in college. So I think that is a, a point against him. But I do think build up a good kind of offensive and defensive um, structure around him as far as coaches go. And I think he could be a solid head coach because we saw it at Ohio State, we saw it at Florida, and I, I definitely think he can do it in the NFL. So I'm going with Urban Meyer. Yeah, look, for me, I'm going to go with Urban for all the reasons that you just outlined, Alex, but also too. Nothing against Robert Sala, but, you know, I'll believe it when I see it when it comes to the New York Jets. I mean, you know, the, the, I've been a Patriots supporter all my life, and, uh, yeah, the New York Jets have just, yeah, they've just offered nothing, um, and certainly nothing from a defensive standpoint. That That's where he's going to uh, put all of his focus. So, again, I'll, I'll, I'll be happily, well, see, we'll, we'll, we'll wait to see. Uh, Stacey, what about yourself? You've, you've seen the New York Jets get around. Obviously, it was quite interesting to see Robert Sala, but uh, who are you going in this one? Yeah, look, I mean, in terms of the different coaches, like who would I rather play for? I would probably want to play for Urban Meyer just to see how fun it could get. Like it could get super fun. Like we're talking trick plays, we're talking this, we're talking shifts, motions, back and forth. Like it could be really fun. But at the end of the day, like I will go to bat for a coach that I would run through a brick wall through and that's probably Robert Seller for me. All right, guys, well, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is sitting in closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Yeah, and this week on Rapid Fire, it's exactly that. Nice and quick as we go through our, well, our predictions. So we're sort of halfway through the NFL season, and we're going to take a step back and have a look at what were our uh, preseason predictions, uh, and then just sort of check in to see how we're going. I'm going to start off. So in the AFC, I was very bold and went with the Kansas City Chiefs, and that has uh, backfired quite a lot on me as, as they uh, continue to implode. Um, so I think I'm sort of shifting my focus over to the Buffalo Bills, and it doesn't get much uh, better for me uh, in the NFC. I was uh, biased by Beck and went with the Seattle Seahawks, if you can believe that. So uh, definitely jumping off that bandwagon and hitching my ride to the Green Bay Packers uh, as Aaron Rodgers aims to do a final dance uh, type performance there in Green Bay. Uh, Beck, what about yourself? Uh, we're having a bit of a giggle at some of our weird and wonderful predictions in the preseason. Uh, run us through yours. Yeah, it was quite funny to have a look back and see what we were predicting preseason. We all know that the NFL is so unpredictable. I, again, picked Seattle, of course, to win the NFC. Um, unfortunately, our season hasn't played out the way that I thought. So um, I'm kind of sticking with the division and going with the Cardinals. I think um, they have a lot of potential this year. As much as it hurts my heart, I'd love it to be the Seahawks, but I think it's going to be the Cardinals. Um, and in the AFC, I again went with you, thinking the Chiefs were going to come out and dominate a third season in a row, um, but that hasn't seemed to be the way. So I'm going with the Ravens to take out the AFC at the end of the year. And Stacey, let, let's jump in and have a look at yours because there were certainly some interesting picks here. I have your AFC prediction as being, and am I, am I reading this correctly, the Jacksonville 
Jaguars. Uh, now, that was bold. We, we love bold here at Mojo, but probably didn't go your way. But, uh, yeah, uh, talk to us a little bit about who you're liking now in the AFC. Hey, look, yes. Yes, I had the Jags for AFC South, but I'm still riding high on the Chargers. And I'm going to keep quoting my podcast from, like, week one. The Chargers are the real deal. Um, so they're taking out the AFC for me. And then, um, and then if we look it. at... Yeah, let's let's look at your NFC uh, prediction there. So you had the 49ers, and you know that that could have gone a different way, but uh, again, it's uh, it's it's been a little bit of a mess there. Uh, and you're sort of shifting your focus over now to Kirk Cousins, uh, Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Vanilla Ice. You know, Vanilla Ice ice cream. You know, Vanilla Jane, just middle of the pack. Sprinkle a bit of sprinkles on there, and I think that he could uh, come out and clinch it. I mean, crazy things. Have- happened and that's what i like about the vikings that crazy things do happen to the vikings well if nothing else i think the people in minnesota deserve it they've been through some unbelievably painful playoff losses in previous seasons uh alex what about yourself uh talk us through some of your hits and misses and then where where you sort of see it now in terms of the afc and nfc um yeah i mean i I was looking at the nfc and i was like i paid who to, to to do what um, but I mean, you know, when we look coming in the season, everybody's ranked different. So, I mean, picking the Steelers to take out the NFC was, uh, definitely a, uh, interesting pick as they now sit at the, uh, was it the bottom of their division? Yeah. The AFC, excuse me, not even the NFC, the AFC, that's just how bad the pick was. I don't even know what division they should be in. Um, so <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to change that one and go with the Tennessee Titans taking out the AFC because I think they're doing well. And I think that's going to be a much better pick and a much more saving grace pick than the Steelers for sure. As, is, as far as the NFC goes, I went with the Saints. You know, I like my Saints. I like who that nation and – well, yeah, that's just been an interesting pick too. I mean, when you're in the same kind of division as the Buccaneers, it's just really not going to work in your favor, is it? And they're currently sitting three and two. So I'm going to backtrack on the, on the Saints and go with the Cardinals. I see them taking out the uh, NFC. All right, guys. Well, look, that's all the time we have tonight. Just want to thank my amazing panel. Uh, always bringing the heat as we talk all things NFL. And to our listeners, we really hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please download the podcast, share with family and friends. And until next week, we'll see you then.